0: guess who it was i'm not sure I, I don't know i i i don't know
1: all right but, so shall we dig in
0: dude let's let's dig in here let's let's uh let's break out the shovels and you know dig our own graves dig our <laughs> own <laughs> graves i don't know about yours mine's already dug man
1: why would you bury me i'm alive <laughs>
0: so down. yeah
1: let's uh let's dig in here today we're going to be talking about structure and artificial
0: tension yeah 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 Gotta gotta love me some structure, man.
1: Story structure is always weird, strange to me because it's it's very aloof. It's can be yeah. justified a lot of different ways.
0: Yeah, I've seen every type of structural breakdown you can think of. A lot of those breakdowns uh, kind of come after the fact, and it's like people like applying that structure long after the story has been made or movie's been made, anything like that. I don't think a lot of people don't. I don't think they necessarily go into it always with the structure in mind, but it's there regardless. I've always I. Th- which I think is strange. Yeah. Or or some people are so good at it that they just don't even need to worry about structure. It's more just they know where they need to have, they know the moments and the scenes and the chapters that they need to hit and the character choices that they need to hit and where to put it.
1: And with certain things, I think a lot, we've talked in the past about It's Always Sunny. It can be argued as really just controlled complexity Mm -hmm. because they just, It's Always Sunny, it just kind of like unfolds into total chaos at at certain points. Yeah. Really just controlled chaos.
0: (laughs) It's 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 like, even like, you know, when you, this is the simple thing of like telling a joke, you know, there's, there's that setup and then there's, there's the punchline, you know, yeah. so there is that inherent structure. Although I had, I thought, I th- was it, was it you that I was talking to or maybe I was just listening to someone was saying, probably it wasn't me. I'm not okay. very Smart. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. Someone was saying, I think j- jokingly, obviously, was just get rid of the setups, just give me the punchlines. And, yeah. and I thought, I took that, like, again, I think they were just kidding around, but I, me, I took that seriously for a second. I was like, huh, I wonder, could you tell a joke without the punchline or without the setup or just I the punchline? I think punch a good line?
1: example of that is the last season of Arrested Development. Okay. But the other way around, it's all set up and it's like, it's like they were planning another season where every joke that they set up was gonna land. Yeah. But this, but that never happened. <laughs> like it was just like tee up, tee up, tee up of all these jokes. Yeah. And there's no, punch line
0: and that there's ever no comes. punchline. There's no punchline. That's interesting. Well, it just it just brings into the it just brought into my mind like could it even work with just a punchline? I don't know if you could. Like it, yeah, because
1: you're you're dealing without any like you're
0: a leaving tension that was never there (laughs) yeah there's that context and it's like i kept trying to tell a joke in like just punchline form and i was like i'm just kind of i just sound like an idiot saying stuff yeah (laughs) so yeah it brought into the idea like okay so there is whether we like it or not i think there is an somewhat of an inherent structure or like this idea of knowing the points you got to hit and the moments you got to have in order to to build a story or, or you know to tell one yeah now how we do it i think is you know can be what we're gonna it can get be into. very
1: tight, compact, and quick. Yeah, or it can be. It can be very
0: classic or elongated
1: and made through complexity into being like a whole four-hour-long extravaganza.
0: Yeah, and, and we can we can we can get into like that. How like there really is like a, how structure you can play around with it a lot. It's not just the the classic one that that we see a lot of, spe- specifically towards film. I would mm-hmm. say a lot of this goes toward filmmaking, but I've noticed structure goes across any type of storytelling medium. I'd, I'd even think maybe even video games have it a little bit too
1: yeah I would I would say definitely but
0: yeah so structure I for the longest time was all, would always be like I wonder like where that whole I'm sure that you've always you know the three act structure you've heard that before yeah. you know the classic hero on a journey story and
1: that seems to be like the most common way to like talk about it and express it because that's something that I think <laughs> yeah. at
0: this point most people get and understand oh yeah definitely if we're talking specifically like for western civilization like western culture that is sort of the bedrock of our modern day storytelling I, I do think there are some similar but uh, ancient different forms out there that don't really adhere to the 3x structure I'm not sure which
1: there also <laughs> seems to be quite an evolution in from naturally from the 3x structure to what's most commonly described as the 5x structure which really just has more meat on both ends mm-hmm. and it's basically just more of an introduction and conclusion
0: yeah yeah, yeah yeah and it, I, I do find it interesting because even as I look at like other I, I always try to say like could I break this down, even if someone didn't envision it in a three X structure way? Yeah. Can I apply the three X structure to it, or can I at least see the elements of it on some scale working? Most of the times, yeah, I, I don't think I've really found any book, any even if it's like an autobiographical book and it's and it's nonfiction. And now, credit, I haven't read a lot of nonfiction as I have fiction. I am hard pressed to not be able to put that three X structure into it. Now, maybe it's because I'm um, I want it to be that way, so it's possible. You know, someone disagree. Uh, that's
1: the other thing too. It's like you. S- a lot of the times, you can see what you want to see, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah, yeah. And if you're looking for it, you're gonna find justifications and reasons for something being three act or whatever you're particularly dig- particularly digging for. So yeah. you know. Again, take all things with a grain of salt. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of validity to this structure, and it makes things easier to. Like I've used this relation in the past. It's it's a way to see through the fog a little bit and come yeah. through the noise and get your ideas down.
0: Definitely. And as s- for our discussion pretty much the bedrock of this one and this is not a plug we are not endorsed in any way by this <laughs> not yet um, <laughs> Is one of the books that I had in in, in grad school. It's called The Twenty First Century Screenplay by Linda Ronson. I, if you're if you're looking to get into writing and, and just it doesn't have to be screenwriting. I mean, this particularly gears itself more towards screenwriting, but I think you can apply it to any type of storytelling. I I recommend it. Yeah, a longer book, but you know, it's one of those that I, you only need to like kind of like read maybe like the first half to get a grip on it, and then everything else is kind of pick and choose which chapters then as she gets into more non-linear structures and away from the from the classic three act but yeah she gives down like a cool history a little bit of cool history of where we kind of or at least where we believe the three act structure comes from it starts off way back in ancient Greece you yeah know, you got the 5th or 4th century BCE you're, you're at the height of Athens golden age and this is where a lot of stuff it's where a lot of golden philosophy
1: comes from yeah
0: where a lot of world history was recorded mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> during that Area up to that point no
0: yeah this is where like anyone you know uh hippocrates uh, you know like the hippocratic oath you get with medicine these guys were there socrates plato aristotle these two particular guys we're gonna talk about here real quick yeah a lot of like it, they consider this time the the bedrock of western civilization this is where you have arguably the first known democracy in civilization you know i mean it wasn't a perfect one it, it was certainly Corrupt uh, shocker.
1: The immortal words of Socrates, who said, "I drank what."
0: <laughs> but yes, so yeah. During this time, you know, you had a lot of flourishing going on, and it's right after the defeat of the Persians. So, like Greece is kind of having staved staved off an invasion from the Persian Empire. There's some time instead of having to worry about defense and war. You know, there's more time being spent on things like philosophy, art, living, government, ethics, stuff like that. And I always thought it you was know, interesting. all those useless things. Yeah. All those things... all those non essential things that you don't need slim them at the door <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things plato think is interesting is that there was a time there where and this is specifically they were looking at tragedy from the, like the greek plays he effectively feared tragedies and like poetry and what they could do because he thought that like yeah, the, what he called the dionysian element referring to dionysus mm-hmm. the god of like wine and like emotion and revelry you know he thought that it 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 created like some sense of... <sighs> the word I'm looking for. Dread. Yeah, almost like uh, I, I want to say that he almost could confuse it as like the earliest type of social media, if you want to call it that way. It gave.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I love it. <laughs> it, it. It it just it just a, it awakens a the catharsis that a good story can give you. It can awaken you to different viewpoints. Yeah, and it could cause you to think differently. And Plato was like, uh, ah, he kind of feared that. So there was this time where they actually recommended that any you know playwright have to submit. Their work to the rulers of Athens at first for approval. He was he was a bigger fan. Of, they had of, to go through the FCC. Oh yeah, whole thing. Yeah, and you, you, you think about it. It's like it's interesting. You know, it's it's kind of the beginning. Like even back then, there was this you know notion bureaucracy. Of, yeah, <laughs> there was, and there was that notion of almost like a rating system. You could see the beginnings of the rating system and the controlling of okay, well, what can some people view? Should this be viewable for the public? It was right there at the beginning of it too, or at least when we. Were started to record the history of drama and writing yeah there it was right there at the beginning so that's there really fault. blame them <laughs> So when you look at like rating systems or oh this isn't appropriate it's 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 nothing new really if you think about it it's yeah. it's been there for a long time but yeah so he was a bigger fan of like the ethics and how certain things could affect the, the rule of law I mean one mm-hmm. of his biggest books Plato's Republic if you've never read it, I do recommend it there's a lot going on in terms of government and law and you know how that works but anyway getting off track here Aristotle, our main guy, here, actually used his famous poetics to answer Plato's stance on tragedy. And essentially, you know, he had, there's different, like, he he was trying to study the great plays at the time, and he was trying to come up with what makes this work, essentially. Why are these things, like, particularly, I think, one of the cases he uses is Oedipus Rex. And he's trying to, like, pick out the things that, like, what makes a story good, or particularly in this case, a play. But one of the things I think is interesting that he talks about is that what he considered most important in it is... Is the structure of the incidents the structure of the elements the scenes how they go together generally what's happening yes to the, exactly. to the characters
1: in the story yeah he,
0: he put he put plot as the number one thing he put it in terms of his poetics his elements he put plot as number one and then character there's always a back and forth I think between those two whether something is more based on character or something is more based on the plot for him though it was it was definitely plot that was the main all be all and in particularly in tragedy he noticed that like you had to have a certain build there had to be a certain build because then when the moment came that what he called catharsis was to its highest peak and it, it you had the greatest impact on your audience, and this is essentially where the whole hero on a journey three act structure. I don't, you, I don't want to say maybe invented because it's possible it existed long before that. But this is the first time I think where someone actually took the time to define it. Yes, define it, look at it with a more quantify it. Give it like, okay, this this does this. You know, give it more of like a science to it. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. And ever since then, this has kind of become the bedrock of Western civilization storytelling. That, that 3 X structure, hero, classic hero on a journey. And a lot of people believe that that's sort of the only method for storytelling. I know, like, I can remember in school, like, that was the one that they would hit the hardest for us. I don't know. Did you get the constant, or oh, you got to use that 3 X structure?
1: Yeah, there was a lot of things that I never used that I was told I had to use.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the reasons I like this book, really. Well, because it kind of says it's definitely you want to learn this structure, but not all stories adhere to it.
1: Yeah, certainly not. And I mean, there's a counterexample for every rule. Yeah,
0: and it's interesting because even even Aristotle, who was sort of citing this three act structure, also praised and we'll get to this the Odyssey, which believe it or not, does not use the three act structure. So once again, you know, just to sort of show that nothing we're talking about is anything. It's nothing new under the sun. It's been around for a quite while, quite some time. Yeah. In her book, she goes on to talk about how structure as emotion and the control of it. She's actually one of her quotes that I like that Linda Ronson has in 21st Century Screenplay is that it's all about controlling and directing audience emotions in the most calculating and cold-blooded of ways so that the audience will react exactly as the writer wishes at the precise moment the writer dictates, which makes sense. If you think about it, it's simply saying that you want the audience to react a certain way at a certain time.
1: And that kind of is the challenge of mostly writers, but storytellers in general is to get your audience to feel what you want them to feel Mm -hmm. when they're supposed to yeah but audiences are inherently uncontrollable in that way you don't know what anybody's past experiences are and you're never gonna perfect them. no
0: yeah exactly you're never you're never gonna get everyone so you gotta do your best
1: it's about it's the pursuit and knowing that you're never gonna exactly hit the target but getting as close as you can
0: yeah I think it's it's like that thing where like you, you make a movie or a story and it's like you take it real seriously but then people end up laughing at it it becomes yeah, a comedy
1: exactly something that you never intended to be a joke yeah, but will play as such
0: but will play as such too yeah like you intend. Unintention- Intentionally made it that way, you're not sure. But yeah, that's or a
1: joke that you intended to play that lands hell of a lot darker than you thought it was gonna Or
0: doesn't land at all. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's essentially what I I like that definition of structure. I'm a huge fan of structure. I really enjoy writing to a structure as best I can just because it helps me.
1: And also because it's inevitably to some degree gonna thread out. So the stronger it is
0: at its start,
1: the stronger it's gonna carry out.
0: It helps me keep the editor in check in my mind when I'm writing. Yes. It's so hard for me to write with without keeping that part of my brain quiet while i do it i'll i'll, I'll write the word the in a sentence and i'll be like what why would i use that word that's use, <laughs> use a different word that's that's a stupid word you can come up with something better make a new one up do something different and i'm like oh okay and i never get it to you know i'll never get like a sentence done the war of the multiple hans inside his own head <laughs> They come back later, and they will be using this for evidence. Yeah, this guy was clearly this guy <laughs> was was on the edge. Listen to him. Yeah, I, it just you know I really think that structure that definition I, I really like for me anyway. Just structure as emotion, or how to how to control the emotion of an audience or you know a reader so that they're feeling the way you want them to feel. A story I always think about that does it really well just popped in my head right now. You've ever read a uh, Farewell to Arms with Ernest Hemingway's novel.
1: I have not actually. You could
0: argue that the whole. Book nothing's really happening up until the very end, up until the not mm. to give away spoilers, but it's because of that structure and like how quickly you're kind of just with the characters and and certainly Hemingway has has this controversy. I'm not I'm not denying any of that, but I, you know the story I think still works in terms of the structure of it and how taking place. You know, essentially he's an, the main character is an ambulance driver during World War One. he ends up falling in love with a nurse after he's injured, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like their back and forth relationship. It's just them existing pretty much in this time period, and then the final incident, event, whatnot going into it. You're kind of just meandering along with them, going through their daily lives, what they're dealing with, and then boom, you're hit at the very end. And I think that's the power of that and proves like the the structure of it because it's like, oh man, had I maybe not gone through all this other stuff with them, I might not be feeling the way I am here in the last like 20 pages of the novel. And I think that's, I think it just speaks to structure and how the controlling of that emotion. It kind of makes me think of Burn After Reading,
1: how (laughs) the whole point of that story is that everything that's going wrong is because of how the characters are perceiving the situation, not necessarily how it's actually unfolding.
0: Yeah, no, like, and, and you think about it, like, if you told that story from one person's perspective the whole way through, like, if you did the classical structure, would it have the same impact? Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I mean, it certainly would have an impact if you did, but it would be a bit of a different story, and I think you might miss the main message, the main idea of what they were going for when they made that. Yeah. So yeah. So breaking down, just to like quickly break down for those who are not sure of what the classical three act, or sometimes I've even heard four act structure, mm-hmm. is. You know, it's pretty much you've got your single protagonist, your hero, going on a, a journey chronologically from beginning to end. Usually serves it well in like the. Fan- fantasy genre tends to use or the superhero the superhero genre tends to have this this structure a lot. I would say it's used a lot. You see it a lot in most stories, especially screen screenplays. Hero going on a journey. Raiders of the Lost Ark I think mm-hmm. uses That's this to great effect. And pretty much, you know, the points it has it goes in like three acts. Some people will argue for I'll just to help break down that longer second act in it. But essentially, it's beginning, middle, end. You have first act is the setup, second act is is the middle is is the progress of the story, the raising of the stakes. And then the third act is your climax and your resolution. You'll see tons of people break this down. Like I think you mentioned earlier, tons of different people have multiple ways of looking at this. Yeah.
1: Like I've, I've heard the five act structure a number of times mm-hmm. from people, and it really can be argued that that is simply an extension of the three act structure.
0: Yeah. I, I, I would say so. Just because it, however you want to break it down to help you and your you can writing can process. It. Yeah. You can justify that. You can go ahead and do that because it's your writing process. Whatever makes the process easier and helps you you be a better writer and be more creative that go ahead there's nothing wrong with doing that I think I even saw someone use like a spreadsheet once was trying to create like a formula that's using like a spreadsheet I was like wow I was like okay interesting <laughs> but yeah one of the I would say the most popular or the version I see a lot is like the seven points she mentions it in this book as well you pretty much have your normality as the first is the beginning and she uses the term disturbance which I really like that's because, interesting
1: because it's like it's up it's something upsetting
0: yeah because for the longest time I was pitched the inciting incident you You'll hear it called that, you'll hear it called The Catalyst. There's so many different, they all mean the same thing. Yeah. For me, though, Disturbance, it was better for me to wrap my head around because when you, like, pitch a story to someone, you're really kind of pitching the first act turning point, that, yeah. that big first emotional turning point. Moment of change. Yeah, that's what you're, you know, like, you're always pitching is, is that. So, the inciting incident, even though that was the term we used in school a lot, it always like, it always messed me up because it, it felt like that was the big moment that had to happen first. Like, that yeah. was the point of no return for the character and the first act turning point just felt like an inconsequential thing whereas i think it's flipped it's backwards it should be the other way around i feel so the word disturbance i don't know just for me in my head psychologically has less power to it or you know than inciting incident than the the term incident or catalyst it just it just kind of says like something that comes along that the character can easily not maybe not easily but you could write off and then the story could still not happen even though we're at the disturbance it needs to to happen to get to the first act turning point. Mm-hmm. There's still that chance for the main character to to get their way out of it. So yeah, I just that's just a side note. I prefer the term disturbance for me when I'm writing.
1: Usually in features, it occurs within like the twenty to twenty. 20- Five minute mark somewhere in there.
0: Yeah, and some some of them it happens even off screen. Like it never like we're already yeah, past. You never actually see it. You never actually see
1: it or mentioned.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely. And then for
1: movies like Memento, you can have two. <laughs>
0: like, yeah. 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 You can have more. And that's that's when we get into like the more complex structures. But anyway, yeah. So you have normality. You have your disturbance, your catalyst, your incident, whatever whatever term you want to use. And then you have your first act turning point. Then after that, you have mid act turning point. Then you have the second act turning point or the Low point. However, you want to use it. I've seen people use the term crisis. They'll say this is the lowest. You know, this is essentially the low moment for the hero. Then you have the climax. And then you have the resolution. Those those seven points are pretty much the ones that you'll see a lot with the three act structure. Some people will break again. They'll use that midpoint to break it into another act. Some people will say that then you go into Act three, and then the climax happens in Act four, rather, just to sort of break down that longer second act that you have to go through because that's that tends to always be the act that gives a lot of writer's trouble myself included is that second act because it's just long and you're trying to develop the story and the characters you're not starting the story nor are you ending it Mm -hmm. so it's like okay so what do I do in the meantime while we're waiting for the story to end so yeah a lot of people will will sometimes break that down I've even done it where like I'll call it act 2A and then after the midpoint I call it act 2B I
1: I like that system you know just it it, it allows for some multi-layered storylines to evolve naturally
0: yeah 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 and all this is simply showing how there is a turning point there's something something has to happen there's something and it doesn't have to be something like monumental and huge in terms of like grand scope but sometimes the
1: understated makes things more fascinating because it's something that maybe in an initial viewing you glass over and don't quite notice
0: yeah 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 there just there just has to be something that goes on in the character character's lives that's gonna put them into into the plot of the story otherwise you end up getting what would you'll you'll see like a movie or like a story that starts to like run on the spot a little bit it seems like the characters just doing the same thing just in different locations get that where people will mistake a physical change of location or something but there's no emotional change yet in the character. There's no agency in the character. They're kind of doing the exact same thing that they've done it when we first met them. So like the story starts to like run on the spot there for a while. The three act, four act structure, however you want to do it, it's a good tool that I have found hard pressed not in some way to see like almost every story I've ever read sort of echoes that in some way. You know, so this is definitely one I think when you're starting out, definitely learn and and master as best you can when you want to tell your story. You you can figure out what the best way to tell it is. Because this, this simply pulls into the idea that there's got to be those those turning points, that, that control of emotion, that, that structure. Allows the,
1: your story beats to have the amount of impact that you want them to mm-hmm. have.
0: Exactly, yes. And learning this can help you better understand how to manipulate that and how to control it so that you get the reaction you want from your audience when, when you give the story. Kind of going back to Aristotle a little bit there when he was talking about plot being the number one thing above character, you know, that. That's kind of the back and forth you'll see a lot when writing a story. Yeah, you're going to see
1: that heavily, heavily debated between different yeah, points is, of view. Well,
0: this is more, you'll hear that this is more character driven. Oh, this is more plot driven. One of the things that Ronson mentions in her book, I like how she calls it, there's the action line or the relationship line. There's the plot or the subplot. There's the there's plot, there's character. And essentially, you can have a story that is more relationship line driven rather than action line. Maybe And and it's just kind of recognizing when you get an idea like, okay, what, I really like this idea in what way does it need to be told? How do I need to, what structure do I need in order to get the emotion that I want? And she actually uses a really good example of In Witness. Hmm. I think that's a forgotten Harrison Ford film sometimes, you know. Yeah, it's so good though. It is, it is so good. And I think a lot of people forget because just because, you know, of Star Wars, Raiders of Lost Ark, which he's more well known for.
1: I think that's one of his more character driven. Exactly. That's exactly, taken.
0: She exactly mentions it in the book that way. It's a much more relationship line driven is that you really want to see his character is it book? I can't. I, I just think Harrison Ford when I see it. Like I don't even think of the character's name. The detective, the police officer. You want you want to see him go on this character journey, this this like healing journey that he goes on to when he's taken into the to the Amish community. Essentially, the whole second act is just him hiding out after the events of the first. After the one kid witnesses the the murder, yeah, and he's injured and he has to go and he's taken into the Amish community and he, he essentially learns to live a, a different style of life. So that's. really... Really what I would say is what the main idea is of the story is it's much more driven by the relationship line, but it doesn't mean you throw away the plot either. You still got to have that action line. So it's kind of almost like, you know, the action line starts in the first act to get us to get him, his Harrison Ford's character, into the situation that we want him to. And then it kind of like takes a back seat then to what really we're trying to show is his progression as a character, you know, his outlook on life. And then at the end of the second act, what was set up in the previous, in the first act, comes back now in the third. The action line then kind of takes the driver's seat again. But yeah, that's definitely a story that's much more character driven. But again, doesn't just throw away the structure of how a story works. I think it definitely adheres to the three extra structure I'd agree just uses it a little bit differently and again because there's certain emotions the creators of that story want the audience to feel and and that's and that's why like you know a lot of people you you like they'll they'll tell you they hate structure which is totally fine they they just want to explore a character and there is nothing wrong with that and there's I
1: mean it can be heavily argued that there are a million examples where that's the successful choice yeah it's not always the right choice
0: yeah no and I, I just think you have to like be careful that anytime you're exploring a character you're just you're just exploring the character then there's not there's not really a journey that they go on and that can sometimes you just you just got to be careful
1: and it doesn't always have to be a actual physical journey there no yeah in fact either.
0: yeah you want that's that's the tough part is trying to distinguish
1: I've, I've seen some excellent movies that don't ever leave a single room
0: yeah no and and, and that's again that's that's the tough part it's like we we're trying to get that emotional journey that inner journey is is what we really want and sometimes I've, I do it all the time you can easily mistake a change of location or a physical journey of a character walking from A to B as an emotional journey usually sometimes it's not but if you can get them both working together that's that's what makes it even
1: better 1408 is a great example i mean yeah he never leaves his character is literally trapped inside a room for Mm -hmm. 90 minutes yeah
0: and it's all about that journey into self you know that that inner emotional journey that he's going to go through by never leaving the room really technically yeah and now of course you know it's using a more fantastical approach to it but hey it's great it works that's stephen king for you absolutely yes (laughs) But yeah, so that, that's the three act structure. I would definitely say learn it, master it, because it, it does help you learn how to control emotion and get the audience reaction that you want. Yeah, but it's not always the answer to the story you want to tell. There are there are uh, plenty of others. Yes, from Aronson's book, she calls it the parallel narrative, and she particularly comes up with a cut like six. That she mentions, but pretty much says that there's there's probably more that we don't even know of, or that ones you could just create. This is the one thing I really like about it is it gives you that idea of uh, that ability to like play around with the parts of the story that you know. It's essentially like here's the here's the tools to your kit. Now just kind of build me something with it. Yeah. But yeah, there's certain stories that yeah, just like if you used it in that I you know simple three act structure, it probably would fall apart. And a couple names she gives, she calls like one like a tandem narrative, a multiple protagonist double journeys flashback is a big one consecutive stories there's she and then there's like this hybrid like fractured form that she uses a lot and each one of these has like almost different subversions of their own and i think it's yeah. more not that she's like necessarily trying to come across like oh these are the other structures i think it's more just trying to show that hey you can you can almost create your own structure in it and that like almost every story sometimes based on what what idea you have and what story you're trying to tell it's you you have to know that and know like what is it that you want your audience to To get out of it, Uh, what does you know? When you have your idea, like what does the story demand? Is this is this a more character-driven story? Is this a a simple hero and a journey story?
1: That's what ten. A lot of people tend to lump that in as just generally theme, and that's like a word everyone loves to throw around. But Mm -hmm. I think what people intend when they say theme is far more multifaceted than that.
0: Yeah, no, 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 definitely. It's just knowing that when you have a better grip on the classical structure, you can then look at a story and you can come up with an idea and you can say okay I have this really cool idea but it has like a bunch of protagonists in it and it only works if I have it with all those characters and I show you each of their stories so you could look at it that way of like okay if, if I'm doing a film I have to balance 10 heroes on their own three act journey but I also have to give a reason as to why I'm showing you all of them like how am I going to do that how so it, you know it starts to create it starts to invite you to be creative in how you make that story and how you tell it how, the how is almost, I think is almost as always important in when you're writing any story. And that comes to with like, a genre, any genre that you're dealing with, and
1: that's where it gets kind of tricky because different genres kind of require different toolboxes.
0: Yeah, no, and they have they come with different expectations of the audience, you know.
1: Which is why I think directors and writers who can hop genres like that are incredibly talented.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to like think of like some examples here that go a little bit more with like the flashbacks you see a lot. One of the things you'll see a lot now, sometimes, like I just actually just, just ended watching the uh, rewatching the John Wick series.
1: Yeah. And they're, they're fantastic.
0: Yeah. If you look at the very first one there, they actually use what Ronson would call like a preview flashback style. It starts right in the beginning with him, you know, getting out of the car and he's hurt, he's injured.
1: We're We're kind of unsure. Yeah.
0: We think that's the end. And it, it recognized that because it's, this is, this is where I was talking about creating sort of artificially creating some tension for your audience, you know, like that helps because there is a, bit of a slower for an action movie and i think that's what they understood this is more of a character driven action movie you come to almost see like the the choreography of the fight scenes you know just as much as you do the 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 character journey yeah and i think they understood that when they were making it and they recognized that okay for an action movie a bit of a slow start like imagine if you told that straight from the beginning with John Wick and and his wife Helen.
1: It's not so much a peeling of an onion that
0: way. Yeah, it, yeah. Like you 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 start from there and you just go chronologically. You you do the classic then hero then you know and journey
1: about him, his whole past. You know what he's capable of, and nothing's really a shock.
0: And then you're 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 waiting. You're waiting for the story to finally get going. So there's a lot of back backfill there, a lot of exposition that you have to get through, and then finally the story takes off after the the Russian mafia comes in and steals his car, kills his dog. Spoilers, if no one seen the movie <laughs> uh, but yeah no I think that if you, if you look at that and you were to tell it that way there's that there's a long wait to get to that point again you're dealing with an action movie which is based on much quicker pace you know normally your people are accustomed to a fast-paced action movie
1: the first one especially i love the way that it, it can build off of these incredibly somber as you mentioned somber moments for such a high-paced action movie it can do both so well
0: yeah no exactly yeah
1: just him sitting there with a the phone reminiscing yeah about his wife and everything that he's lost is as as strong and impactful as him blazing through a club and just like being the Baba
0: Yaga. Yeah, no, yeah. And there's a lot of character in it, which is interesting for an action movie because an action movie usually puts plot above the character. It goes more with the plot first because, you know, we're just, and it, it, you know, it does have a little bit of of character to it because that makes it, you know, you always (laughs) want to have character there too because that's going to make your story better. But I would always say that action, the action genre tends to lean more towards plot being the number one. Which
1: is why sometimes with restraint in regards to character can be almost like making character somewhat a void, which I think that they do effectively with John Wick. The mystery in the earlier parts of the story about who he is and what he is is as much a driving force as actually learning and understanding.
0: And and then again, that's just, I I think that's a good example of artificially using the structure to create more tension in the audience. Controlling that emotion. You know, if you take out that first scene, if you take out the the flashbacks, him and his wife, just Show me this from beginning to end chronologically in the classic way. I might not get to the point where he then starts to go on his rampage of revenge.
1: And it, it wouldn't have the same kind of impact. Yeah, it would
0: not have the same kind of impact. Would it work? It's possible. I mean, it depends, you know. I. It, but I think I think they understood that, though, especially for an action movie, and I've said this ad nauseum now. You know, there, there are those expectations of they knew the genre they were in, they knew what their audience was going to maybe want, and they understood what story are we in? What idea do we have here? But now think about it. Like, if that first one didn't do as well well as it did do i don't think you get a fourth one then or or a second or a third starting it off even though even though it's just for like a little bit and tv does this a lot They'll, they'll play around with structure. Well, You'll see a lot of TV episodes play around with structure a lot like all the time especially like in procedural stories they have to sort of constantly keep jazzing it up to get you back next week. Yeah, that, that one little opening scene in John Wick where he's you know out of the broken car playing the video on his phone and then he seemingly passes out and then we cut back to okay how do we get to this moment? It's that artificial tension there you create. You know that there's going to be a little bit of a slower build to get to where we want. There's going to be more character development. So to sort of get the the audience more enticed they decided to do a preview flashback they decided to we're going to show you this moment we're going to show you his seemingly his low point or or you know what we would perceive as the low point for him and then we're going to go back now we're going to start the story from the, essentially the beginning or where we want to I, I think that just shows how making that decision was the right choice because i think the that movie ultimately benefits a lot from it i would agree and you know that's just an example of like one of the many different versions of parallel narratives that Aronson talks about in her book but I would say one of the big ones, probably one of the masters at parallel narratives be Tarantino. Oh my God, yes. Would be my biggest. Say if you want to see a a story structure that definitely you can see the influences of the three act in it, absolutely. It's definitely using that as a foundation. But if you were to try and apply the normal three act structure to it, I I don't think you could do it as well. I don't think it would fit as well. I
1: mean, you could justify it, but it would be a lot of justifying. Yes, it would be a
0: lot of justifying to do. And I, you know, I can't, I've never been able to I ask Tarantino this? I don't know. I mean, does he, does he even like use a structure when he's writing? I don't even know if he does.
1: I'm pretty sure he starts through dialogue. Yeah. He's one who's very character driven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he needs to know who exactly who and what he's dealing with in a scene.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I would say yes, his are, are definitely character-driven. And just to, once again, just to show that this idea of playing with the structure is nothing new, I mentioned earlier that Aristotle had talked about the Odyssey, that he praised it a lot, which was effectively been around longer than his than his poetics was. It does not use a normal three-act structure. It actually uses, what Ronson calls a portmanteau style. It's, a, it's essentially separate stories happening at different times. Ah, uh, yes, a poor man's toe. <laughs> What'd you say the other night? You said, like, pork man's knife or something like that? <laughs> Something like that. I don't yes, a poor man's toe or a portmanteau, which Por- I think originally... Pork man's bow. Porkman's bow. A porkman's bow is essentially uh, just an old uh, like trunk or case that you could like, you ever seen those ones that you, the real big ones you could like stand up? They almost were like a traveling um, cabinet almost. Yeah. And it has different drawers these, yeah. for different things. You know, you put your, you put maybe like your jewelry in here, your socks over there, clothes in this I don't this know why one. my mind went immediately to Dunstan Checks In.
1: Dunstan <laughs> I haven't. When they hit. <laughs> no, just how like, that's where they were keeping Dunstan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, uh. The rich guy brings a man. Uh-huh. opens up the chest, and it's like, why? Why did my brain go right there?
0: I think, I think even too in you ever seen Joe versus the volcano with oh, Tom yeah, Hanks? Really? Yeah, I think the four the suitcases he gets. I think those are portmanteaus too. The, well, I forget what they call what he calls what the salesman calls it to him. Um, but those four big suitcases that he travels with in that movie, another yeah. great movie if you've never seen. But yeah, the Odyssey. You know, just real quick, just to show that again, this is this is not anything new. It's like I think people have understood they have to if they want their audience to feel a certain way, they sometimes have to figure out, okay, it's not also, I've got the story, I've got the character, I've got everything. How do I tell it now? What what structure yeah. do I use? Because I want that emotional control, essentially. I want the audience to feel this way at a certain point. How do I get them there? Yeah. And mm-hmm. how do you get them there? And if you look at the Odyssey, if you told it chronologically, it, it there's a lot of setup and it would probably be really boring because it actually starts off right at the very end of the story before Odysseus is close to finally at the end of his journey coming home flashes back and he recounts all his journeys and where he's been for the past 10, 20 years after fighting in Troy. Whereas if you started it from him leaving Troy after the war is done and then going all the way, you've got 10 years worth of journey to get through from the very beginning and it it could get... it could start to wear on the on the reader and the audience. So now, credit this was probably originally started, you know, uh, just by an oral, tradi- an oral tradition, you know, word of mouth. I think it's interesting that whenever Homer, who is credited of finally being the one to write it down, understood maybe even then that okay, I've got to maybe in order to make this work, in order to get the emotional payoff that I want, I've got to figure out a way to structure this. Got to figure out how I want to tell this. What story am I in? It applies a lot to Tarantino's movies.
1: Tarantino's structure is just it's actually. Tri- try and sit down and break it down is mind-bending, to say the least.
0: No, definitely. I It's it's almost like I, you could say that there isn't even any structure if you want to. I wouldn't argue with you there. I think
1: can, yeah, I think you could easily justify that.
0: That it's just a bunch of characters together and we just explore each character. I would agree with that. I still would say that, though, there is that control of emotion. There is that idea of knowing when I want certain moments to happen. So that's that would be my counter-argument to that.
1: I think Kill Bill is probably the one to hardest make that argument for because I think Kill Bill kind of clearly... Clearly has some definite structure going.
0: Yeah, on. no, definitely. But, I think it it does have that a lot of flashback going on.
1: Same same thing with Reservoir Dogs, I would say. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But and I it, think Pulp Fiction is is loose. I think Inglorious is pretty loose. Yeah, and Once Upon a Time is definitely it's loose.
0: definitely definitely loose and that's why they that at least Ronson uses the, the portmanteau label uh, it's just kind of like like a suitcase you just kind of open it up and there's all these like a pork, man, pork man's toe like a poor man's toe like a pork man's bow you get to you
1: get a, you get a toe knife in there and you open it up
0: <laughs> and there's just all these different little things that you can explore and look at it's almost like a little puzzle box I guess would be a, maybe a better way to understand some of Tarantino's stories you just you, you know it's like oh what's in this drawer oh okay and then when you've opened every drawer drawer that you can find looked behind every you know zipper you know then you look at the whole thing and it's like oh okay so there is that inherent sense of mystery of like where are we going with this oh, I got to keep exploring it kind of invites maybe a little bit more audience interaction I guess yeah it doesn't really spoon feed it to you not to say that the 3x structure always spoon feeds it to you but it's not you know it's it's not as familiar so it kind of you know makes you want to pay attention a little bit more
1: it's intangibility makes you want to try and grab onto it more. Yeah,
0: yeah yeah it's it's not that classic okay hero on a journey so if we want to like even like break down once upon a time a little bit more here spoilers for anyone who has not seen it i highly recommend watching once upon a time in hollywood duck away um, now hide yes run. if you're if you're still with us i'll assume then that you've watched it
1: and you should have because that's a great movie it yeah. deserved all its pomp and circumstance it got.
0: yeah no i i agree too like inglorious bastards has always been my favorite of tarantino's movies they really like world war ii history
1: speaking of inglorious i do have a, a note that i found interesting because i rewatched. Once upon a time for this. Yeah. And, and Glorious is such a great example of tarantino's ability to use language effectively mm-hmm. and i mean he, he jumped from how many different languages all over the place yeah and in glorious and then i found because once upon a time is such a commentary on hollywood in general yeah and <laughs> during the scene that's very emulative of inglorious where he goes you know he torches the nazi strategy table uh-huh yeah 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 they're all all the nazis are speaking english
0: yeah that's <laughs> true that's, that's such a good an point
1: tarantino thing yep. that it was it, it was such definite commentary and I loved
0: it oh no absolutely yeah it, it really is like a common yeah on, on the hollywood system even even if you you can still though like look at it without that lens if you want i think that's why it's so good or why i like it so much
1: yeah it can also be argued as just like a twisting piece of analytical history also yeah. which is really cool which is all and glorious is kind of the same way
0: yeah 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 and i think what's interesting too is once upon a time even in glorious bastards you know they're both centered around real historical events glorious bastards obviously world war ii you know, the grander scope. And
1: both hinge on a lot of Previous pieces of culture like Glorious yeah. is very heavily based on a movie called The Battle of Algiers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they, they both kind of hinge in similar ways on old, like actual history and then also pieces of cinema and narrative. Yeah. What have you? So, yeah.
0: And, and this was interesting because I didn't know too much about the Manson murders and like Sharon Tate.
1: It's a thoroughly fascinating
0: topic. Yeah. Until after I saw this movie, I knew of it, I knew about it, but I didn't really know the details, the history of it, how it went down, you know, what was going on in the time that uh, in a our culture like Chernobyl yeah when I watched exactly. Chernobyl
1: I was I was a fan of how that almost to a degree shames its audience for not knowing more about yeah. it yeah and there's another but one in a very productive that, and positive way there's
0: another story that essentially is kind of using flashback and a little bit of a portmanteau because it's showing you the uh, this event it really this the portmanteau kind of almost centers itself around the event and then how the event affects the characters and this is just an insight I sometimes get when I see it yeah and so you could argue that the event is the whole suitcase. You open up the suitcase, and then you you see how each character is every compartment in that suitcase, and how each one is affected and fits into this this event. So, like in *Glorious Bastards*, you know, World War II is your event. *Kill Bill* is you know the the killing of of, of the bride. *Pulp Fiction*. You have. I was going to say the robbery.
1: You could say that.
0: You, I, yeah, I have to rewatch *Pulp Fiction* now. I haven't seen it in yeah, a while. It's a good one. And that's another like Chernobyl. That's another one that sort of uses that because you you know you're looking at it from multiple perspectives, multiple characters all dealing with this one sort of event Single that's event, going on. Yeah. yeah, and it even has that preview flashback. It actually starts off with one of the main scientists years after the event, sort of giving his his recollection of it in his words, how he's going to recount the story.
1: That one's fascinating from the standpoint of distortion of truths.
0: Yeah, also. no, ab- absolutely. No, the, another another highly recommended. How,
1: how the truth can often be just like this elusive yeah like artificial top like not non-tangible in the air try and grab it because you can't i
0: don't know what when i watched that for the first time when like the first responders would come back and their skin was like all like super red and burnt terrifying like that like even my like it was so good that my skin started to like like i would you know i would start to freak out and be like oh god why why does my skin feel like it's burnt or burning right now yeah
1: and you really get the sense in that series of just like how close like that event handled even slightly less professionally Mm -hmm. could have destroyed the world
0: oh yeah no absolutely it's definitely changed which is
1: thoroughly like lovecraftian and terrifying
0: yeah and and it plays like a horror movie too like is to its benefit
1: even as a standpoint of history it's like the only piece of lovecraftian anything actually
0: occurring in the real world again it just speaks to that structure idea that control of emotion you know now and so they have more time to play out the story, but they do have to sort of pick the key moments that they're going to use. And if you think about it, if they if they changed the opening and didn't show, if they if they didn't have that preview flashback, would it work the same? It would definitely be different if you told that chronologically from one character all the way through, there's a lot I think you're going to miss. Yeah. There's a lot you're not going to learn about the history of what happened. And I know and I I actually do commend them too, at the end they did I think mention some of the things they changed just for the sake of telling the story. Yeah. because a lot of history Historical, historically based movies won't do that.
1: Yeah, I've always found that interesting. It's like there's no atonement for that kind of thing. It's like distortion of history. Yeah. I mean, in most cases, not all cases. Obviously, not in Tarantino's case. But those, that type of thing is typically pretty minor. Like in Dunkirk, they changed the to the Luftwaffe airplane because it was just more visually noticeably. Strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was such a minor thing. It's yeah. almost like. Doesn't really matter. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Stuff like that, I think, is easier to to take too. Especially if you're trying to go for a recreation. I mean, there's only so much you can do with Once Upon a Time. You look at it's essentially you have three protagonists: Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Rick Dalton, Cliff. You, you have Cliff Booth, Brad Pitt. And then you have Sharon Tate as Margot Robbie's character.
1: And it's kind of interesting because I didn't notice it in theaters when I first saw it. But they really do kind of follow all three uniformly from the outset.
0: Yeah. And I didn't even realize why after I had rewatched it, it, it really... We only see three days of their life and it does it really does feel
1: like much more yeah so, like obviously I, so much happens
0: yeah so much happens and like when i first watched it i actually felt like i, I really felt like i've followed them for months and months and months yeah but really you only get to see three days that's that's all they're showing
1: and i think the flashbacks tend to add kind of that because there's a lot that's brought back from cliff's backstory and like things that he went through with certain kurt russell's character particularly yeah yeah no yeah, there's it, 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 it tends it muddies the water in a good way that makes it feel bulkier. Mm-hmm. Like, more has occurred it's
0: all in service to set up the final scene with manson tribe coming to commit the murders and but instead you know obviously tarantinos were kind of rewriting history a little bit here and instead of going for the sharon tates and the polanski house they end up going for the rick dalton house because he comes out and yells at them while he's trying to make the margarita
1: holding the the blender full of (laughs) <laughs> is a, yeah, what, I like mean, one thirty in the morning.
0: You can argue that the first and second act of this, if you look at it in a simple three act structure, which is is tough to do, but you could argue that a lot of this is just this. It's it's one big setup and learning about the characters and their lives and what what they want out of life and maybe what it's not for them. I, I think I th- there's a good like uh, juxtaposition between like Dalton Booth and then Sharon Tate's character. How like it seems that Sharon Tate. Pretty much has what, what, or is on the path of getting what she wants out of life or what she wants her life to be. You know, she's, mm-hmm. she seems to be the only one that's truly fully happy, I, I guess I would say. And cr- you tell me what you think. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong there in my interpretation. No, I would
1: agree. I, but that adds to the tragedy of it. And I
0: think that's what also makes it even better in the sense that, like, you, c- even the way he perceives and shoots her, there's a lot of scenes and moments that sort of hint at, I, I we know what happened in real life. So you could, you could effectively say that. That that she is already dead in the story, just the way because yeah. like when she first arrives, when you first meet the characters, Rick and Rick and Cliff are driving, and then it cuts to the shot of her on the plane. You know, here she is soaring down from the skies. The car she pulls up in the, the 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 Polanski's car. It's got an angel or something that looks like an angel on the front. The the what do you call that? The headpiece that you would put on the front like a motor car.
1: My brain went immediately to Mrs. Doubtfire when she snaps the top of the Mercedes.
0: Yes, car. yes, so yeah, yeah. That whatever that whatever they call that it's it's in the form of something that looks like it has wings and then even Ooh, at
1: lover boys here
0: <laughs> um and even when at the ending after the <laughs> horrible violence that happens which i would argue this might be his least violent movie i think i've ever seen him make i, I it's I, like the wind up of the punch for him because it's
1: like yeah he, we've been so like seasoned to expect it from him that he like for the f- full first parts like the whole almost the bulk of the movie you're just watching the punch wind back
0: (laughs) no absolutely definitely and I think that's part of why maybe this even though it's not nearly as violent as something like Kill Bill I would say for example I think Kill Kill Bill Bill is is up there
1: for sure (laughs) especially that final sequence with the 88 yeah yeah yeah,
0: definitely so like when I heard like some people like walked out on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in my
1: screening at the theater I saw I saw a couple people walk out
0: you did okay what was it at the was it at this part at the end? ending when
1: i want to say it was around the time of the ranch
0: okay oh because I don't know of why
1: that particularly but people just i maybe too art house for some people I don't okay know,
0: i'm curious if like is it because that's when they realized who like obviously this is the mansion tribe and that's why they walked out maybe i, I don't know i'm curious to I know, know why yeah, some I definitely people heard would,
1: other reports too of people leaving other screenings and stuff
0: yeah and i for me i'm I, like i can't seem to figure out
1: it's a shame because i, I think it's an excellent movie I, I do I'm, too maybe as I'm, well the minority but But
0: yeah i think like if 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 the violence is one of the reasons i would say it's it's probably his least violent film i think i've ever seen him make it's just it's just that that slow burn of just like basically the setup of meeting each character and having their autonomous stories go out through the course of the two days prior to the events of the Potential murders that Planning they try to a joke commit for
1: the for the flamethrower.
0: Yeah, no planet. Yes, exactly. That that flamethrower planted in the very beginning comes back at the very end.
1: And then when Cl- there's a very short sequence too, where Cliff goes out to the shed, and it's just very subtly knotted that it's in there.
0: Yeah, yeah. When he's going out to uh, fix the antenna.
1: Yeah, they tilt down for just a second, but it's like definitively knotted that it's there.
0: Again, I think that's what makes it. You know, it's that it's that pork man's bow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there's these little like it, it's like a puzzle box and you can kind of come in and like you know look around it's just like letting the characters exist in their world but there is still that 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 tension going on. And I even as I was re-watching it, I was like, man, I still can't figure out why this is technically working, but it is. I, I'd have to watch it again, I think, to get a better grip on. It. Cause really, if you don't know about the history behind it, I could see why some people might not understand what's happening or why it's
1: yeah, I would agree. You that. know,
0: but for me, like even though like I said, I didn't know much about the specifics of it. I knew like I knew of the events and just essentially what had happened. But I did not know too much about it. But yet I was I was gripped and I'm um, and I think it's it's mostly that, that attention to character there, and again, but knowing the structure of what moments I'm going to show, what moments I'm not, where I'm going to use the flashbacks, again, that that control of the emotion, you know, and and why, you know, you can artificially create the tension that you need based on what you choose to show and what you don't. Because even the sequence where he goes away to, to Rick Dalton's character, or Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Rick Dalton, goes to be an Italian, do the Italian cinema. Start Italian movies. <laughs> in the Italian movies, Those six months, essentially, we see the two days in February, and then six months go by, and then we see the one day in August.
1: Yeah, that jump.
0: Yeah, and he just basically recounts. Those six months in in basically flashback and voiceover, which I think is Kurt Russell doing the voiceover.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, that's one of the things I love about Serentino. It's 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 almost a hearken to the grindhouse style, which he's like he's he's made he's cut his teeth and made his name for. It. Oh yeah,
0: and even like well, I think he was heavily. In, I, I I believe like a lot of it is on the the old spaghetti westerns too. I I think yeah. with you know what he what he goes for. So yeah, like I'm looking at Once Upon a Time, and I I believe it's essentially like one long build of a, of a relationship line setting up the characters setting up the time and place just kind of existing in this world and i I think the tension comes from knowing a little bit of the history too so there's like you know knowing what actually happened in real life and i think maybe that's where some of the tension comes to for me
1: i do love the there's almost like a what if angle to both ending yeah. and *Once yes. Upon a Time*, yeah, because like there, there's something nicely sentimental about both in slightly different ways. Yeah,
0: no, definitely. It definitely, like, even in the ending of *Once Upon a Time*, after mm-hmm. they've brutally killed the the Manson followers after breaking into the house, like even the setup with Brad Pitt and and his dog and like how he serves the dinner and all that.
1: And I love I love the subtle comedy in uh, him being horrendously high. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, which again was was set up, and and you could argue it was just set up kind of nonchalant but like it's still there it still works it's it still paid off i do i do think this one once again going back to our first episode I, i'm pretty sure this one keeps chekhov's gun principle in mind the whole time yeah i don't think anything in this i mean i could be wrong i don't think anything in this that is shown or seen or, or given significance is not set up properly and then paid off in some way there's
1: a lot of different setup that in that whole in that whole sequence just in the house in that last big climactic moment just yeah. kind of explodes from like you're getting hit with so many different things that were set up yeah 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 on. definitely
0: and again it's these three characters are even though they most of them don't interact they're essentially connected by this one event this this one night this one day that changes everything again you could argue make the argument that Sharon's take character is all already that's what
1: makes it so bittersweet though. yeah, yeah. The fact that it didn't happen this way it's like as all like the warm fuzzy feelings you're getting from this ending are like made slightly bitter by knowing that it
0: didn't yeah and play. and the double gates opening for rick dalton at the very end and he goes up to to the, his neighbor's house to polanski and i think it's sebring that's uh, comes to greet him at the gate I mean you can't I I can't help but think of the whole like heavens Gate analogy there open it up and there yeah. he goes you know mm-hmm. so you could argue like you know that that going on to that that cloud that fantasy that you know and getting what he he wanted in the end a uh, uh, another chance at something
1: yeah which again was also set up very early on that he just wants to meet polanski
0: yeah he was to boost like, his career. he was like yeah this could yeah he's only one step away from and again looking at the 3x structure I can definitely see like I said I can definitely see because you have three characters you have media them you have like that that first act if you want you have their development and then you have the climax so there is that build it is playing you know in 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 a way where you could say like it's three separate three act stories all happening at once but again they're not being told chronologically we're not seeing everything it's sort of that that puzzle box idea of mixing back and forth of what story am i telling how am i going to tell it now and how am i going to control the audience emotion that that structure or that emotional you know wave of when i want you to react how I want you to react. And
1: there's not necessarily a definitely right answer to that. It's yeah, just no. Trying to find it, trying to narrow it. In. Yeah,
0: and I think this just shows that learning the three act structure, but also knowing to like when you get when you have an idea, it's like, okay, is this an idea that the three act, the classic structure would be, work perfectly fine? If not, that's there's nothing wrong with that. You can then this proves that you can, you know, there are other structures out there, and there could even be a structure that maybe you know you create. You know, again, I I would I would really be interested to see if like there was any like because you said he starts. with, with dialogue, usually, yeah. when he builds the scenes, yeah. I, From
1: what I've looked up, what I've read, I've obviously never met the
0: man. Yeah, but. I, I'd be curious to see if there even is any like hard structure in terms of like outlined, but more it's just he knows the emotional turning points. He knows where he wants his turning points to be, yeah. and he just kind of picks them out and places them where he wants them to go. Always, you know, I would say you know keep structure in mind, um, but know that you don't have to be married to anyone idea or you that you absolutely have to follow this one
1: it's tricky because sometimes sometimes that is the answer sometimes it isn't yeah sometimes it is it's
0: it's it's knowing what story you're telling what genre you're in what the expectations are going to be keeping those those turning points and those ideas where you want them to go
1: that's really all there is to it
0: yeah there is well there's probably a a crap ton more but yes (laughs) in my mind one way of looking at it is you know you go to a theme park and what what ride do you want to ride you know, do I want a roller coaster type story? You know, do I want a Ferris wheel? Do I want a merry-go-round? You know, that's, that's where
1: knowing your knowing your audience and who you have in
0: the exactly, seats. yeah. What what kind of ride are they going to want to go on with this story, and what best serves the story?
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is a sense of structure. Yeah,
0: always that, and how you can like use that if your story's maybe not working it could be that you know maybe there's a, another structure out there that you can look at that might and
1: maybe you can invent one I yeah mean. you can like maybe we yeah said there, rules are ever changing
0: yeah have some fun with it
1: it's all about having fun